and make sure you continue to listen to Radio Italia Uno 87.6. Radio Italia Uno. Sono le 18. Italia Uno News. Buongiorno dalla redazione. Il timore di un taglio completo dei rifornimenti del gas russo cresce in tutta Europa, in particolare in Germania, dove si immagina che il prossimo inverno sarà freddo, buio e caro, come ha intitolato l'edizione weekend del giornale economico Andelsblatt, immortalando una porta di Brandeburgo resa bluastra dal ghiaccio. L'attenzione generale alla vigilia dell'avvio dei lavori di manutenzione del Nord Stream 1 è puntata su quello che accadrà tra dieci giorni, quando il gasdotto dovrebbe riprendere a funzionare regolarmente. L'opzione che Mosca prenda però questa occasione come pretesto per chiudere definitivamente le forniture viene considerata la più probabile, secondo il ministro francese Le Maire, che esorta l'Europa a prepararsi. Politica si avvicina per il governo e per il Movimento 5 Stelle la prova del decreto aiuti. Dopo il via libera alla fiducia, oggi alla Camera dovrebbe arrivare l'ok definitivo al provvedimento. Ma la giornata decisiva sarà quella del Senato, dove a differenza di Montecitorio il voto sulla fiducia e sul provvedimento sono unificati con i pentastellati che valutano concretamente di uscire dall'aula mettendo a verbale il loro non voto. Una scelta delicata, non indifferente per la tenuta del governo, tanto che una nuova riunione per decidere il da farsi potrebbe tenersi nell'imminenza del voto finale. La cronaca, un pilota di un parapendio si è ustionato toccando i fili dell'alta tensione. L'incidente ieri sera ad Arco in Trentino è avvenuto forse per un errore di manovra durante la fase di atterraggio quando la vela ha urtato i fili. Il pilota, un turista polacco, ha perso il controllo del mezzo precipitando a dare l'allarme ai titolari di un ristorante della zona L'uomo è stato trasferito all'ospedale di Trento per ustioni di media gravità. Spostiamoci a Roma se il movente è di stampo mafioso non possiamo dirlo. Il tema è che in quasi tutti gli incendi c'è di mezzo la filiera dei rifiuti. Così l'assessora all'ambiente e ai rifiuti della capitale, Sabrina Alfonsi, dopo il sopralluogo nella zona dell'incendio divampato ieri a Centocelle. La zona da dove è partito l'incendio era stata sgomberata non più di un mese e mezzo fa e c'era un'area di smistamento dei rifiuti. Da qui è divampato il drogo. Le fiamme hanno seguito la linea di questi rifiuti per arrivare poi agli autodemolitori, ha sottolineato l'assessora, spiegando che il Campidoglio presenterà un esposto. La procura ha avviato un'indagine. Non si esclude alcuna ipotesi. Negli Stati Uniti tre persone sono rimaste uccise altre due ferite in una sparatoria avvenuta durante una festa in una casa di Downey in California. Lo riferisce il canale ABC7. Le vittime sono tre uomini, mentre i feriti, un uomo e una donna, sono ricoverati in ospedale. Le circostanze della sparatoria sono ancora non chiare, ma la polizia ha affermato che l'episodio sia risolto. Ritiene che che l'assassino sia tra le vittime. Calcio comincia nel peggiore dei modi, l'europeo femminile dell'Italia al New York Stadium di Rotterdam in Inghilterra. La Francia supera 5-1 le azzurre nella loro partita di esordio nel gruppo D. I gol delle francesi tutti nel primo tempo. Inutile la rete di Piemonte al 77 Giovedì ci sarà l'Islanda. Era l'ultima notizia, a più tardi. Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have a fabulous guest today, Mark Mudry. Hi, Mark. We're so thrilled to have you here. It's such a pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, Mark is doing some amazing things to change the world for the better. His resume is far too expensive. Ex- expensive. Actually, you're a lawyer, so it is expensive, but extensive is had what to I meant to say. Had to come up sooner or later, didn't it, <laughs> Had to, had to. So his uh, resume is far too extensive and impressive to go over here uh, because it's just an hour show, but I just want to discuss your background and your story a bit and just cover a few, and I stress a few of the highlights. Uh, y- you were born in the former Yugoslavia, is that correct? Yes, I was, Three and a half when we came to Australia the first time, then went back when I was seven, came back when I was ten. Mm. So I changed three continents by the time I was ten years old. Mm. And you got to grow up under communism, which was, I would imagine, a challenge, you know? Yeah, it, it certainly was. It uh, Everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others. Mm. And then you were accepted to law school at the age of 16, is that correct? Yeah, and uh, I, I couldn't speak English. One of the great things, and there are many great things about the former Yugoslavia, um, the the community spirit and so on, and they t- taught you to study pretty hard. Mm. So I couldn't speak English when we came back the second time, so I learnt it from Matlock Police and uh, from Sesame Street. But uh, <laughs> And I'd study very hard in a very, very tough school, more known for armed robbers and others. Uh, but somehow they all left school at the age of 15 and I did some serious study. And at 16, found myself in Adelaide Law School. And by 21, though, you'd spent five years in a uh, psychiatric ward. Not you? quite five years. I mean, although five months, it, it, five seemed a, it seemed sorry, like five sorry, years, sorry. but it was five months. <laughs> yeah. And uh, part of it, as I think everybody has their limit, and if you push that, especially when your your brain is still forming. Mm. So yeah, I spent five months, and I was written off by uh, 21 years of age. I was pretty well finished and done. Mm. But then you uh, you showed them, at least in my opinion, uh, you you uh, became you you started out as a board member uh, at one point for uh, Second uh, Chances Rehab, which helps out prison inmates to. Yep. get themselves and their families squared away, and you were the co-founder of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship, and you've had your own successful law firm and had the challenges that go in business and having your own business. And uh, you were a senior policy advisor for Bob Day. Is is that correct? That's the head correct. Of the- That's correct. That was for about three months. That was the only political experience I had before my second parliamentary role. And then you were the chief of staff for a, for a senator as well. It was. Can I, can I tell you about my first day on the job? Sure, please. Please do. The High Court uh, took about five months to decide who would uh, replace Senator Day. And then just one morning we heard the news that the High Court had pronounced Senator Lucy, who was a barefoot farmer's daughter from Kenya, would be the next uh, senator and that we were to call a press conference. Well, I didn't know any journalists, Matt. <laughs> so wow. Somehow we got all these journalists on the steps of Parliament and we agreed that Lucy would just read a short statement because you could get uh, shot in politics on your very first day. So Lucy gave this beautiful statement and then one of the journalists looked like they were going to ask a question and I said there won't be any questions and led her down the parliamentary steps like Cinderella into her carriage Mm. that was my getaway driver I had him already and I got uh, Senator Lucy into the car and her two daughters but I couldn't get the husband in Mm. 
because the baby seat was still there. So there were stories running about baby seats uh, for a while there as well. Mm. So I was surrounded by the media for uh, three and a bit minutes, which seemed longer than the 50 years I spent in the psychiatric ward. Mm. Um, but that was the first day on the job. And the second uh, uh, next day, front page of The Australian, uh, first senator's press conference ends in a farce. But that's part of the job is taking the bullets doing everything you can for for your parliamentarian uh, to excel and to shine. But I became very shy of the media, so we did less stories but on our terms. So that ended really well. So one of the themes I'd like to encourage our listeners with is that things are going to go wrong and it's often all in the recovery. So the next story was the front page of the advertiser, Barefoot Farmer's Daughter to Political Power Broker. Mm. Tell us, uh, I, I gave you a little bit of introduction, but your story is so fascinating. Tell us your one-minute synopsis of your life, if you had to put it in a minute. All right. So Here up goes. to this point. He goes. So this is the one-minute version of my life story, and I trust that it will encourage the listeners. As we said, I spent five months in psychiatric wards going through law school. Got into a bit of trouble with the police in my late teens. I've been a lawyer now for 33 years, and twice I've had the privilege of representing Australia at the largest gathering of Christian legal professionals in history in Washington, D.C. So I will say my wonderful Lord found me in the sad house, saved me from the big house, trained me in the courthouse and took me to the White House. And if he can do that with me, he can do that with every one of you. And then he took me to Parliament House. Wow. Amazing journey. Uh, Mark, as as, uh, Mark uh, Easton just said earlier, I I just got back from the United States. And as an attorney, I'd like to get your opinion. I mean, as a global attorney, I mean, because you're one of the your most recent uh, position that you received was as the uh, chairman of Advocates International, which I think is an organization. Are there 30,000 lawyers that you're representing around the world? Yes, we're affiliated with something like 30,000 legal professionals and advocates in about 150 nations. I wanted to get your opinion uh, on the U.S. Supreme Court's recent overturning of Roe versus Wade and and uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which you know solidified for us in the United States the uh, right to abortion with with literally no restrictions. I, I mean, and and a lot of people are very upset about that. I mean, uh, you know, they're feeling like uh, it's that opportunity's been taken away from them, and the government's telling women what to do with their bodies and and so on. But from another perspective, and and from my perspective, and maybe I shouldn't have said that, but legally, and I'm not an expert, so I can speak freely. <laughs> okay, but. The Constitution does say that no right, that if the right is not uh, explicitly put in the Constitution, it goes to the states. So it seems to me that, you know, by this getting kicked back to the states, there's 50 opportunities for the people uh, to come up with the solution, you know, to this thorny question. And also there's, there's more freedom because instead of nine people making a judgment from on high what people should do or a woman should do, uh, they're closer to their own elect- – the, there's 330 million people making that decision in 50 different places. So it seems like there's a lot more freedom to me than less. And, and, 
and the laws in the United States were much closer to North Korea and China than they are to Europe and, and South America and Africa as far as that particular issue goes. Well, gee, Matt, you've, you've, you've really put me in now, haven't you? Well, but you don't have to answer no, any questions. No, I do. There's several very important themes that you'd raised, and I'd like to begin with the fact that in Australia it's undisputed that something like between one in three and one in four women will have an abortion statistically in their lifetime. So this is something just so heartbreaking, and we need a tremendous amount of sensitivity and understanding whenever we talk about this issue, Mm -hmm. which is why we've done a lot of work about what can be done to, for example, develop adoption. In Australia, we have something like 80 to 100,000 abortions a year, and we only have about 330 adoptions nationally. And in South Australia, sometimes we have zero or two, and we have so many precious couples on IVF. So I think that a lot of work can be done in terms of true informed consent and true options and that this is a this is an issue that is so heartbreaking on so many fronts but from a pure legal point of view you're right um, that uh, democracy shouldn't be nine people um, um, deciding for everybody although ultimately sometimes that does happen Roe v. Wade, the impact of it is that the decision on uh, when abortions are lawful is gone back to the states. So everybody has the opportunity to lobby, to look at the best medical evidence on all of these issues and how can we as a society really love them both, the mother and the child, and what would that look like? And so the hard right and the hard left have often hijack the agenda and people Mm. are just too scared to say anything about this issue, which means that that we are not looking after the vulnerable women who find themselves in the situation and the little ones. Mm. Yeah, there's, it's, it's such a tough issue. I mean, I think anybody that can say this is black and white, I, I just, I mean, either they're a person of really strong character or they just haven't thought about it enough. I mean, it's there's so many different ways. There's so many, and, uh, you know, there's just not black and white. You're right, Matt. And we're often our, we're often influenced by our own experiences by seeing those close to us that have gone through these things, and that uh, that can shape our opinion. But this this really is an opportunity to begin a dialogue and work. Uh, in the middle where people would agree that 100,000 abortions in Australia is way too many. So what can be done about it? And if we're a true choice-for-choice choice society, let it be an informed choice. Let all the medical evidence and let uh, there be screening for coercion and all of these things. But we need, we need a new way of thinking and to change the narrative. And certainly what happens in America does impact the world. Mm. Well, I, I tell you, just from my personal experience, I I looked into adoption because I got a little bit old. I'm was pretty old in the te- long in the tooth, as they say, when I had our first child, and and I was shocked to find out that the year that I, I was basically told by the government official that I talked to that it was very very difficult and highly unlikely. And they only did two that year in mm. all of South Australia. And, and, and I don't have a criminal background or anything like that. So I, I think I'm just as qualified as the next guy to be a parent. And, 
I, I was just amazed at that. When you hear the things in the news about this child's being abused over here and all these unwanted foster children and all... And only two. Yeah. It, it just seems like we could be doing so much better. There's these people that want to have children so badly and can't, and all these children that are just, you know, mm. it's, it's amazing. You're right, Matt. And uh, in addition to that, uh, uh, international child adoption is almost impossible now as well. It used to take five years and $50,000 to adopt one child of Af- out of Africa, and even that was stopped, and even Hugh Jackman's wife Deborah Lee Furness they couldn't adopt in Australia and it's just heartbreaking so I I am convinced that a lot of good can be done in this area with people of goodwill I I think that's the key and you brought up such a great point I just want to paraphrase it as that I mean we can all meet in the middle and come up with solutions that are that are gonna make the world a better place instead of just being in our corners and yelling at each other I think that's what your show is all about, isn't it, Matthew? Well, thank you very much for the shameless promotion. I appreciate (laughs) it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with Mark Mudry, uh, superstar attorney and uh, world changer. Attention food service business owners or chefs. You can't miss the SA Food Service Expo presented by Gallipo Foods on Tuesday the 12th of July at 9.30 in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre. Open to any food service business in South Australia. This is a must-attend trade-only event featuring over 100 food service exhibitors at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre. Meet directly with the manufacturers, sample over 1,000 of the latest food products and access four weeks of exclusive Expo-only special pricing. Free entry and free parking. You must pre-register to attend. To view all exhibitors, find out more info and pre-register, visit galipofoods.com.au forward slash expo. That's the SA Food Service Expo presented by Galipo Foods on Tuesday the 12th of July from 9.30 in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. G'day, I'm Bevo. And I'm downtown. And tune in Wednesdays from 7 to 8 p.m. For the number one NBL1 Central Basketball show you'll ever tune into, we are the Hoopsters. That's right, downtown, 87.6 FM Radio Italia Uno, tune in 7 to 8 Wednesdays. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Radio Italia Uno Hello, welcome back to Change the World with Mac McQuinley. We're here with Mark Mudry, 
uh, chairman of uh, Advocates International. Um, in the break, we were talking a little bit about how you pulled yourself up from your bootstraps, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, when you were when you had the cha- when you had the challenges there, and you were in the uh, psychiatric hospital. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, there's a p- part that I didn't mention there, Matt, that I'm convinced that it was uh, God's unconditional love through my wife that uh, healed me because uh, I just didn't want any relationships. I was doing an overload at uni and driving taxis and just wanted to finish my law degree to help people. And the last thing I wanted was a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I rang up to get some guitar lessons and this beautiful English voice was on the other side. And it was for me, it was love at first sound. I don't know if that sounds too corny, but that's what happened. But then I thought I've been told I'll be in and out of hospital for the rest of my life and it's not fair. And I told her about it and uh, even took her to the hospital to, to meet my friends who were still in there and it didn't seem to make a difference to her. And I think that was... Really, for me, a glimpse of God's unconditional love through this woman who would accept me when I had very little to offer, very little at all. Mm. Well, that's so key. Uh, that's that's so key is having one, just one person in your corner. I I I, I was reading a book, uh, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning book, the other day uh, that was written about Abraham Lincoln that Carl Sandburg wrote, and it was just amazing that at every point in his life. He was a manic depressive. I think that's what you were diagnosed with, wasn't it? Yeah, they changed it later to an adjustment. And and it's amazing. It's like it was almost preordained at every point in his life when he needed somebody to pick him up. Someone was there. And just imagine what the world would be like if he hadn't, you know been our president in, right. in the United States and won the Civil War and freed the slaves and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's, that's, thank you for sharing that. That's really, really powerful stuff. And I would say that uh, it was in the psychiatric ward that I learned the beauty and worth of every soul and the potential of every human being, mm. that as black as things seem to be, and so many have gone through this, uh, through COVID, there is hope, and sometimes it's just one little strand left, mm. or that one friend that still cares for you that can make all of the difference. So my 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 plea and my prayer for the listeners is that something that's said tonight will uh, give you a sense of hope and encouragement that things can turn around and turn around incredibly. Mm. Well, you're a walking motivational story. I mean, if you think about it, I know that this is probably embarrassing you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, from from that situation to to being, uh, you know, the fella that is in charge, well, I say in charge, but he's leading 30,000 high-powered lawyers from around the world uh, to to make an effective change in multiple countries around the world is uh, just phenomenal. I think the two go hand in hand, Matt. Abraham Lincoln suffered so many, so many setbacks, so many disappointments, and I think that one of the phrases attributed to him was "charity towards all, malice mm. towards none." Absolutely. And uh, in, in in my life. It's actually that empathy, being able to understand people. And even after all of the things that I was able to do, I couldn't get a job for five months when Senator Lucy wasn't re-elected (laughs) 
But, you know, I'm glad for that because how could I possibly understand somebody who can't fill their petrol tank or um, who can't meet their mortgage payments unless I had a more recent experience of that? Mm. So, in fact, I'd say some of the most important things that I've learned have been through those difficulties and misunderstandings and our house being threatened uh, to be uh, lost and so many of those things that gives you a bond and a connection um, that people just uh, resonate with. And, Matt, you're very much like that. People meet you and they just feel instantly safe and comfortable and uh, they share their heart with you. Mm. Thank you. Uh, but I'm no Mark Mudry. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, you've had, you've had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, you've had, I mean, it's not like it was smooth sailing once you got that law degree. You've had, uh, you know, when, when yeah. Senator, or Senator Day, you know, left... He, you, I guess you would have been unemployment, unemployed yeah. there. there yeah. I mean, there have been – you had some challenges in the legal firm that you worked in for yeah. a while. Yeah. And yeah, that's, can that's, you speak that's a little bit about worthy. Well, whatever you can <laughs> so, feel comfortable sharing, please so, do on that because it's – you know, I, I don't want to put you too much on the spot here. but That's okay. So um, I was managing partner of a 100-year-old law firm and discovered that an employee was defrauding the trust account. And what that meant was that uh, we personally got sued for his fraud. So this is also another great advantage in knowing that even as a lawyer, you can go through horrendous things through the legal system. And uh, so we got sued for anything in the vicinity of $15 million for somebody else's fraud. But at the end of about nine years, the clients got their money back plus costs and the partners are still friends and all of our marriages were intact and none of us went bankrupt. So the empathy for those going through legal problems from the other side of it is something that uh, has been incredibly helpful in, in my career since on advisory boards and uh, looking at different businesses and seeing how to improve them and risk management and so on. Mm. Wow, trial by fire. Mm. <laughs> what's, what's the saying? The, the, the fire made the steel there. Mm. Um, you've had some – can we talk a little bit about Advocates yes. International? Because it seems like there's some amazing work being done there. I mean I, I was reading a little bit about uh, the work that you guys have done in Uganda. Can you, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that for us? Yeah, so one of the issues is to try and fight systemic poverty. And the only way you can really do that is to is to fight corruption, which which manifests itself in different ways in different countries. But there's a specific example that involves Adelaide that I'd like to share about how something that happens in one part of the world, it's a little bit like the butterfly effect that can cause something huge in another part. There's a wonderful man called Judge Mike Chibita, who was Solicitor General and the advisor to President Museveni for many, many years, and the president had asked him to take on the whole of the criminal justice system of Uganda. And Mike was here in Adelaide spending a few days with us and he confided that he was agonising with this decision. And so we took him to meet our director of public prosecutions who talked to Mike about two things. One of them was victim of crime impact statement that South Australia is really a world leader in. And the other was guilty pleas where... Uh, for a lesser charge to minimise trials and things like that where agreements are done between prosecution and, uh, and defence. Now, these things were unheard of in Uganda and many African countries. 
So Mike got a small UN grant and began implementing victim of crime impact statements and guilty pleas. Now, this meant that the jails were starting to get emptied out a little bit more. And for the first time in history, the victims got a say. And then Mike talked to other directors of public prosecutions across Africa. So that's just one beautiful example of how how one piece of information in one part of the world through a network of lawyers who really like each other. In fact, we love each other, (laughs) which is really strange. And we say that if such uh, unity and mutual respect and honour is possible amongst lawyers, it's possible amongst any group. Mm. Wow. And and you've done some great work. They they did some great work in Bulgaria. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? Our our Bulgarian champion, Lacho Popov, who's now currently doing an extraordinary amount of work in in processing visas and uh, giving support to the Ukrainian refugees. And, you know, my ancestry is from there, so that situation just absolutely is devastating for so many. But he's right in the thick of it. And uh, he actually took on the Bulgarian government in the European Court of Human Rights and made them give back something like 80 church properties. So these are absolute champions right around the world. Our, our Singapore leader, he's the president, who just finished his second term as president of the Singapore Law Society, but he also does an enormous amount to fight human trafficking and to care for the poor, and uh, he's a real hero who's also managing partner of the largest law firm. So these are people of incredible intellect, but more than that, they're people of humility and compassion that have just been quietly changing the world. For example, helping to change constitutions right around uh, um, Eastern Europe in particular, Uh, Albania was a country where you could go to jail for seven years just for carrying the Bible. Mm. And they assisted always from a servant position of justice with compassion. How can we serve you? And they were even able to get some robes from a choir in America uh, for the judges because the judges didn't have robes. And this just helped in the sense of dignity and the great work that the judges do. Mm. Wow. Well, that's that's some fabulous... Big, big, uh, world-changing stuff. We're going to be back here with Mark Mudry in just a little bit, but we're going to hear some words from our sponsors.
lights in the night We can leave before the morning light But there's nothing left to lose There's nothing left to fear So meet me on the edge of time Won't keep you waiting, I'll be around And you and I We'll just roll right out of here cercando un ristorante italiano che ti porti dritto in costiera amalfitana? L'ombra, cantina, cucina e pizzeria. Davide e Fabio soddisferanno il tuo palato con piatti come pasta al nero di seppia, allo scoglio, alle vongole. Oppure scegli una delle pizze napoletane del loro menù. L'ombra si aggiunge alla crescente cultura culinaria italiana di Adelaide ed è aperto per colazione, pranzo e cena. L'ombra è perfetto per organizzare battesimi, compleanni, riunioni di famiglia e altre feste private. L'ombra, cantina, cucina e pizzeria. 15 Charles Street, West Lakes. Per prenotare scrivi una mail a ciao-lombra.com.au oppure chiama Davide allo 0417 877 765. 
ho già l'acquolina in bocca Vi aspetto su Radio Italia 1 ogni martedì dalle 12 alle 14.30 Cultura e tradizione napoletana con la vostra Luciana Radio, amore e fantasia Ora più che mai l'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te, a bene con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare, i tuoi cari diventano nostri. Offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio. Il personale è stato fantastico, fornendomi supporto sociale a casa. Bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani, con rispetto e calore, con bene. Sei in famiglia. Chiamaci all'81 31 2000 o visitaci su bene.org.au Radio Italia 1 Welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here with Mark Mudry. And uh, in the last session we were talking a little bit about uh, the work that Advocates International is doing and and there are some uh, you're leading 30,000 lawyers around the globe to to change the world in so many countries. Uh, I've just been amazed by some of the star power you even have uh, in the organization. I mean, you have people that have written constitutions for countries, and uh, Ken Starr is in your organization, who, uh, for those of you that don't know, is the Solicitor General of the United States, which makes him, I think, the fourth high person in the Justice Department. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about some of the other high-powered th- ways that uh, Advocates International is making a difference? Certainly, Matt. I think, for example, in some of the African countries, even where medical supplies and the ability to work are available, unless you've got some identification, which village you're from and so on, you can't access employment, you can't access the medical health care. So some of these lawyers just gathered together and worked out a way uh, to support often very young people that have been displaced through war or through other situations to be able to work and to be able to to, to have that dignity of work and to get the medical support that's needed. That's one one example. Uh, There are numbers of other examples. Um, For instance, uh, there are lawyers that are very significant in the employment or the aviation centre, and when they negotiate the agreements, they try to work out a a wisdom path that honours the employees that are about to have their employment transformed. So it's interesting how, how lawyers are involved in, for example, peace and reconciliation. And uh, about uh, 12 years ago, six of us from six states, from six different denominations, uh, adapted the Peacemaker Ministry from America into Australia that's called PeaceWise. Because when it comes to conflict, we tend to be either peace fakers, we run away from conflict, or we are peace breakers. There are some people, and I'm sure you're thinking of a relative or a neighbour or somebody, Uh, who's a peacebreaker. They just absolutely love conflict, but we are called to be peacemakers. So how do you approach somebody that has really upset or hurt you? How do you apologize? You know, people have said to you, if, if I hurt you, then I'm sorry. Well, 
you feel doubly offended then. So lawyers have done a lot of work in terms of peace and reconciliation in, in marriages, in international disputes, but also on a personal level. And in fact, the founder of the Peacemaker Ministry, Ken Sandy, has now adapted relational wisdom. And there's a free app, RW360, which is called Relational Wisdom Beyond Emotional Intelligence. We all get hurt in all sorts of situations as we grow up. And then under pressure, these things seem to be triggered and we make the situation worse. So that's another aspect of um, that lawyers, who would have thought that in the middle of the adversarial system, Mm. that lawyers would arise as peacemakers. And we just also discover incredible uh, other things with 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 uh, uh, people that we mentor. For example, there's a young champion actually called Samson, who's mm. coming back to live in Adelaide. And again, a free app called I'm Safe, that's designed to protect from domestic violence, where your phone will go off in a distress signal without you even touching it. So we're just discovering some extraordinary ways to deal with the things that are breaking the spirits and the hearts of our most vulnerable ones in our society and to come up with tangible wisdom as to at least deal with a part of that. Mm. So the name of that app is I'm Safe. I'm Safe. It's on the App Store and uh, it's, it's just extraordinary. It's free. And uh, this will develop uh, more and more in conjunction with things like uh, night court and domestic violence zones are the Singapore model where they decrease domestic violence hugely. Uh, uh, And this was designed by a man called Judge Richard Magnus because the violence doesn't happen during convenient court hours. It usually (laughs) happens at night and the perpetrator has all night to convince the victim not to do anything about it. Mm. So there are solutions, but we need people that uh, can bring these solutions. Always has to be in local context and local variations and stakeholders need to be consulted. But there are solutions for some of the the, the worst problems that we deal with in every society. Mm. You also do a lot of work uh, with this organization called the Bible Society that's working towards reconciliation yeah. with with uh, uh, a- the Aboriginal community. Can, yeah, yeah. Can so, the Bible Society of Australia is actually the oldest organization in succession in Australia. Is a few months even before uh, the first bank. And even as I was in government and I saw people trying all sorts of things and some people were really for the cashless welfare card and some were against it, but the only thing that I found to be universally impactful in this season as we're looking at the voice and and the Uluru statement from the heart, the Indigenous translation work that is done by the Bible Society is extraordinary. And how it quickly works is that elders come to us and they say our language is dying and our language is interwoven with our culture and our sense of identity. Would you translate at least part of the Bible with us? And in the census before last, 51% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders identify themselves as Christians, which is higher than the, the average population. So in the opposite spirit for what the white man has sometimes done, some of the awful things. In fact, kids used to get beaten for speaking their own indigenous language. And the white man may work 20 years, for example, just to produce the Gospel of Luke in the Noongar language. 
And then when members of the stolen generation, when they can read in their own language, something profound happens. And I'm convinced that this is one of the keys to healing and genuine reconciliation in our land, and we so desperately need it. Mm. Wow. What, uh, Mark, sometimes I'm a little bit... uh concerned about having somebody of your quality on our show because a lot of the listeners might not even be able to relate to somebody who's who's done as big of things as you have what what do you think the average person listening uh can do to to help affect a change you know that a lot of people might be listening going gosh well mark you know, has been done all these conferences all over the world and, and leads 30,000 attorneys, but I'm just a housewife or I'm just a car mechanic or I'm just, you know, a student. What, what, you, what do you, you say to people like that? You've hit the nail on the head. One of the things I learned early on is about the Teresa says that it's not the, um, the magnitude of what you've done. It's not the bigness of the task. It's the love with which you've done it. And even picking up a straw from the ground out of love. That's what makes the impact. And, you know, I don't know how these things have happened, but I began with great vulnerability. That it, in my own flesh, I'm, I'm proud and arrogant and want to take credit, but I've just seen the joy. You can be a king or you can be a kingmaker or queenmaker to many. To learn to love, to be behind the scenes and to support people and to hear what their dreams are and not with the grandiose promises because we've all been promised the world and given an atlas, but just to say, is there some small way that I can advance you in your destiny or just just remove the handbrake a little bit? There might be somebody that needs a car and there may be somebody who has a car. You know, there are all sorts of ways, but just being open um, and it, you know, in the psychiatric ward, I was I was counselling and and uh, helping all these people, and they were all getting out, and I was still staying in there. So I don't believe that there is any circumstance that can preclude you, that in even a small way, which sometimes turns out to be incredibly profound, if your heart is to serve and to bless others, it's just extraordinary what can happen with your life. And there are different times and seasons. We've had three wonderful children and there was much more difficult to travel and to do things. And But th- there's also a danger in putting too much of the responsibility on yourself. Mm. Wow. Well, that that's a powerful message. I, I don't want to add anything to that and dilute it. We're going to take a quick break and re- be right back with Mark Mudry. Independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au. Brazier Mobility, creating independence. Due ore con Antonio Dottore. 
programma di attualità ad approfondimento, interviste di politica, economia, scienze, arte, ogni venerdì dalle 15 alle 17. Romeo Foodland, al servizio della comunità da oltre 30 anni, con onestà, cortesia e professionalità. Prodotti locali e importati di alta qualità, prezzi imbattibili. Antonio, Lisa, Romeo e figli ringraziano la clientela e mi invitano a visitare i loro supermercati, incluso il negozio organico di Nord Edelaide, dove riceverete gratuitamente i consigli della naturopata. Romeo Foodland, da valore alla tua famiglia. This week's specials are San Marino pepper or plain mortadella, $9.99 a kilo. Fresh Italian-style pork, hot or mild sausages, $9.99 a kilo. Four litres Copa d'Oro vegetable oil in the tin, $14.99 each. 500-gram Romanella specialty pasta range, $3.49. Crostoli King Nona's biscuits, $3.99 each. These specials are available at Romeo stores, Croydon, Rosewater, Kilkenny, Campbelltown, Salisbury East, McGill, Ross Trevor, Athelston, Lockleys, Mawson Lakes and Port Adelaide. Radio Italia Uno. We're back with Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Uh, Mark, we're running a little bit of short on time. Time has just flown by. But in the small amount of time that we have left, what would you like to our listeners to carry away from on our time from our time today? In one word it would be hope. And I remember sitting in the Prime Minister's office and recalling the time that I was detained in a psychiatric ward. And just put those two pictures together. How can that be? It was hope. And there's a famous picture of hope, and it's a woman sitting on a brown, barren earth, and she's got very drab clothes, and she's got a blindfold on her, and she's got a harp with only one string. And you look at this picture and say, how can that be hope? It should be called desperation or hopelessness. But if you look at it carefully, she's playing that one string. And all of us either have, are, or will be in a situation that it seems almost utterly hopeless. And there's sometimes that just one little string left, one thing that we can do, one friend that we can call, one person that we can bless and then the picture can change into that becoming a full harp and then color and life and beauty can come and there's always at least one thing worth fighting for one avenue of hope so if a barefoot farmer's daughter from kenya can become a federal senator if somebody can be plucked out of a psychiatric ward to serve internationally then there is hope for you, our beloved listener, either for you or for somebody around you. And we need to be more collective as a community to see hope, faith and love in action. Wow. Powerful, powerful words. Is there is there anything that any of the listeners can, can do to support uh, the organizations you're working in right now? Yes, I mentioned the Bible Society. Before I started working for them, I thought they gave away Bibles, and some people love that, some people don't mind. But I had no idea that they lift women out of poverty. 
uh, in Pakistan by teaching literacy. I had no idea that they do trauma counselling in Slovenia, fighting domestic violence in Fiji. In fact, all of the social justice issues, helping kids with cancer in Nicaragua, uh, in the hospitals there, and making an enormous difference to families. So I had no appreciation of the breadth of the work that the Bible Society of, of Australia does. So if, if, you, if you go on their website and you see a project um, in the Ukraine now, they're giving food and medical supplies and people are risking their lives to go into some of the toughest parts. So have a look at the website, um, biblesociety.org.au, and see if there is something that resonates with you. And uh, because we're also a global organization, we're able to ensure that the funds get where they're supposed to. And that's not often always the case in terms of some of the work that, that we do around the world. And advocatesinternational.org um, is, is the other organisation you can have a look at the website and some of the things that they do. And we'll be meeting in Cambridge in September where I'll be chairing my second meeting. And just even as I sit down, with you, you say you feel that way about me, Matt. Well, that's how I feel about you and that's how I feel about these people that are going to be assembled as we sit down and we try to work out ways uh, to truly make a better society, not from imposition, not through legislation, but through servanthood and doing justice with compassion. Wow. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really uh, appreciate it, and I, I personally feel blessed to have you on the show. And thank you again to Mark Aston for paneling for us, and thank you very much to all of our audience for listening. As always, I'll leave you with a brief inspirational message. Ever feel unappreciated? Ever feel you're being blamed for things that aren't your fault? Ever feel discouraged because you don't feel like you're, you're getting the credit you deserve? I want to talk about this fella. His father was a blacksmith. Both parents died before he was nine years old. He, his brother, and sister were split up to live with different relatives. His uncle took care of him out of a sense of obligation, not love. He had a tough religious Quaker upbringing. He was a poor student and dropped out of school. Later, his drive and will to improve himself got him accepted to the very first class of the brand new university known as Stanford. He studied biology at first, but found he had a knack for engineering. He graduated. He got into the mining business, which took him all over the world. Despite his humble upbringings, he became wealthy. By World War I, the president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, put him in charge of managing food shortages in Europe. Up until that point, it was not uncommon for as much as a third of the population of a war zone to die of hunger. Not the case under his leadership. Millions were saved. Streets were named for him in Belgium. In Finland, his name actually became a verb, meaning to help. He was heralded, rightly so, as a miracle worker. He even led the rescue of victims in the Great Mississippi Flood of 1927. After that, both political parties courted him as a candidate for president. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his eventual successor, said of him, before he declared for the opposition party, I might add, Quote, he certainly is a wonder, and I wish we could make him president. There certainly couldn't be a better one. 
Herbert Hoover became president by a landslide in 1928 with 444 out of 531 electoral votes. In 1927, eight months later, when the stock market crashed, the New York Times said of Herbert Hoover, quote, no one in his place could have done more, unquote, and, quote, very few of his predecessors could have done as much, unquote. Four years later, in the next presidential election, the man who was acclaimed as a miracle worker lost all but six states to Franklin Roosevelt. Time magazine called Hoover President Reject. The Congress considered impeaching him. He survived an attempted assassination. The man who was acclaimed as a great humanitarian was decried as a rich man who did not care at all for the common man. My own grandfather once told me, after turning his pockets inside out, that those were Hoover's flags. Tent and cardboard cities that sprang up because of evictions were called Hoovervilles. They changed the name of Hoover Dam to Boulder Dam, and Hoover was not even invited to its completion ceremony, even though it would have never been built without him. He was audited by the tax office multiple times. His own party deserted him. Today, he's commonly referred to as one of the worst U.S. presidents ever. After 13 long years of being universally hated and vilified, he was contacted after World War II by one of his political enemies, U.S. President Harry Truman. You see, after World War II, Europe faced an even greater starvation crisis than it did after World War I. How did Herbert Hoover respond? What did he do? Was he bitter? Was he unwilling to help? No. He leaped into action and again saved millions upon millions of lives by convincing a war-weary, angry, vindictive United States to ration food after the war they had won, as well as convincing them to spend billions of dollars to save the lives of those who had been recently killing Americans. The work he did politically, administratively, laid the foundations for the Marshall Plan that rebuilt Europe, that led to a strong and revitalized Germany, and helped keep Greece and Turkey from communism. He also helped Truman reorganize, streamline, and make the executive branch of government far more efficient. Despite all the good work they did together, and were currently doing together, in 1948, Truman turned on him publicly in the presidential election, while privately admitting to his own cabinet that, quote, Hoover had no more to do with the Depression than you or I did, unquote. In his work reorganizing the executive branch, Hoover could have easily leaked information about the waste, fraud, and inefficiency in the Truman administration. He had to have made the decision that fixing the problem was more important than how he was treated, and even more important than if his party retook the White House. What do we learn from this? Well, we learn there are two kinds of people. One, who care more deeply about how they are treated at by others, who care more about recognition than accomplishments, who only do good for praise like the Pharisees did, instead of having a sincere drive to help others, and then there are the true leaders, the kind who do for others because they can, who of course want recognition and approval, but when they know they will never get it, do the right thing anyway. 
the kind who do what needs to be done for the good of others. God bless these people, like Mark Mudry, that quietly change the world for the better all around us. And as always, the most important question each of us needs to ask ourselves is, which kind of person am I? Radio Italia 1 Sono le 19 Italia 1 News Buongiorno dalla redazione. Continua l'offensiva dell'esercito russo nel Donbass. Le forze di Mosca hanno bombardato Chasiv Yar, cittadina della regione di Donetsk, nel